my statement of faith. This is my Bible. It is the word of truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I'm humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. John chapter 17 verse 4 it says, I have glorified. Somebody say, I have. Hold on to that thought. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished. Somebody say, I have. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Now, when we look back to this, we get back to this point. Y'all got to hold on. Jesus is talking as if he's already done it, even though he's still in the process of doing it. In other words, he had the confidence to know that there was nothing that could stop him from completing the work that God has sent him to do. And we're going to see the completion of that work today, amen? As you have your seats, go ahead and take a seat. This is going to be our third and final sermon in this series that we have simply entitled, Jesus Glorified God. Now, I've been saying to you that it's important to understand that everything Jesus did in ministry, you know, from his suffering on the cross to uh, his birth and, and all the things he did in between birth and death was done to glorify God. And I said my objective in this series has been to look at some of the miracles that he performed that glorify God and to briefly show that he glorified God in his suffering and death. And so we've looked at the miracles, so today our focus is going to be primarily on his suffering and, and death. Now, Jesus did all things to bring glory and honor to God. And on last week, we saw that Jesus uh, miraculously healed a paralyzed man who had been brought to him by his friends uh, while Jesus was in the process of teaching in the house. And Jesus saw their faith, and because of their faith, he healed their friend. The Bible says the people were amazed and they glorified God. Then we saw Jesus perform another miracle by raising a widow's only son from the dead. And then we closed with Jesus miraculous healing a blind beggar who cried out to him for mercy as Jesus was on his final journey to Jerusalem before his cruci crucifixion. And then once the blind beggar was healed, his life was changed forever. And we saw he went from darkness to light, from begging to following Jesus, and from crying out in misery to glorifying God. He gave God the glory that was due his name. And all the people who saw it and all the people who witnessed it, you know, they praised God as well. Amen? Now today, uh, go to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 19, verse 29 through 40. Luke chapter 19, verse 29 through 40. Now today we pick up with Jesus uh, making his triumphal uh, in entry into Jerusalem the week before his crucifixion. Now, now, Jesus prepared himself for this entry so that the people would know that he was presenting himself as the Messiah. And we will see that the whole multitude of disciples rejoiced and praised God with a loud voice. Somebody say a loud voice. With a loud voice for the mighty works that they had seen. In other words, they glorified God because of the things Jesus did. Because they were witnesses to all the miracles that he had done, then now they were glorifying God. Now look at this. In verse 29, I want you to see the omniscience power of Jesus through 31. The omniscience power of Jesus. It means that Jesus is all-knowing. And so therefore, by being all-knowing, he can see things that we can't see. And so he said to his disciples, as it came to pass, in verse 29 or 19, he says, and it came to pass when he came near Bethpage and Bethany at the mountain of Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples, saying, go into the village opposite you, where as you enter you will find a coat tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose him and bring him here. And if someone asks you why you are loosing him, thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. In other words, Jesus knew exactly what the coat was, and he told them exactly what they needed to do in order to bring the coat back to him. Now, the significance here is that this was a coat that had never been written. 
So in other words, Jesus' presence and power had to settle this coat down. Now, some versions say that, you know, the, the, donkeys, the donkey was with the coat, his mom. But this version don't identify the donkey as being there. But the point that is important is that Jesus has this common effect, even on nature, even on beasts, because this coat had never been ridden before. But all of a sudden now Jesus got to ride in on a coat, on a coat that has never been ridden. Normally an animal that's never been ridden gives you some resistance. You know, that's why you have to train them. You have to break them in. But on this instance, Jesus rode in on one that had never been ridden. Didn't need no training because the master was about to sit on him. I believe he understood who was about to Therefore, he didn't put up no fuss. I'm just glad to be a part of his story. You know, he could have chose any other coat, but I'm just glad to be a part of his story. In verse 32 through 34, we see the obedience of the disciples. The obedience of the disciples. It says, so, so those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosening the coat, the owner of it said to them, why are you loosening the coat? Look what they said to him. And they said, the Lord has need of it. That's all they had to say. That's all he told them to say. And you know, when Jesus gives us instruction, we don't need to add more to it. We don't need to try to fluff it up and make it sound impressive. Just tell it like he told you. Just say, the Lord has need of it. When, they, when they, he heard the word Lord, he knew exactly who they was talking about. So he said, look, the Lord, that's all it is. The Lord has. Don't you know ministry will be so much better if we could just tell people the Lord has need of your service. The Lord has need of your talent. The Lord has need of whatever it is you got that you think is yours, but the Lord has need of it. Man, our whole attitude is changed about everything that we own. We know that the Lord has need of it. And so that's all he told him. The Lord has need of him. Now look at this, verse 35 and 36. I want you to see Jesus' honor. Now look at this. Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their clothes on the coat. Then, he set, then they set Jesus on him. And they went, as, as they went, many spread their clothes on the road. Now look at this. That was a, a sign of respect. And honor. Normally when a high-ranking official or a king or someone was coming to town, you just lay stuff before them as a means of respect. So they took off their outer garments and they laid them down to show their respect for Jesus. In other words, fulfilling the prophecy to say that he will be honored, that he will be recognized when he come in riding on a coat. In other words, that prophecy was being fulfilled as he was coming in, and now he was identifying himself as the Messiah, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Now, the thing was that most of them was looking for a king that was going to come in on a chariot or probably a thoroughbred horse. But here he is coming in on a, on a coat. But some of them had the sense to recognize who he was, even though he was on a coat. Because Zechariah had told him in 99 that, you know, their, their king would come in this fashion. And so, therefore, out of those signs that, that they recognized him as who he was, they showed him the reverence and respect that he deserved. In other words, they treated him like royalty, even though he was riding on a donkey. Not in a chariot and not on a thoroughbred horse, but on a donkey. And he was treated like royalty, probably because of all the things that they had seen him do. Now they recognize that he is making it clear to all of them who he really was that he was the Messiah, the Savior, the one that they had been looking for, the one that had been prophesied. Now, in this, as Jesus is being honored, we see God is glorified because of the work that Jesus had done. Now, look at this, verse 37 and 38. It says, Then, as he was now drawing near to the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude, somebody say the whole multitude, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice. Somebody say rejoice. Rejoice and praise God. Somebody say praise God. praise God. Somebody say with a loud voice for all the mighty works that Jesus had done. Now look here. 
Don't you know that that's something that when we think about all that Jesus has done in our life and all the mighty work, then when we ask you to give God some praise, we're expecting you to give it with a loud, as loud as the Lord allow you to shout, as loud as the Lord allow you to clap. We're expecting you to do it loud. I don't know why when we come to church, we want to praise in silence, but praise is supposed to be you ain't got to be scared to give God some praise. You, you don't have to hold back. I mean, nobody's going to look odd and look weird. I think you're odd and crazy because you're praising a holy God. I, I know we can be dignified at times, but the time to be dignified is not doing praise. I mean, <laughs> praise is not the time for you to sit and look cute and look pretty and, and, look, and brush the lint off your suit. When we say praise the Lord, somebody got to be moving. Some things ought to be happening. Praise is not a dead experience. It's a live experience. So they gave God the praise. They, they, they began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for the mighty works that Jesus had done. What has he done in your life that's worthy of praise? All you got to do is think about what he's done for you that is worthy of your of your praise. Worthy of your praise. He's worthy of your praise. Hallelujah. And he's worthy of your loud. You know, I tell y'all this all the time. Folks, I always said we were loud. So why not just prove them true? When it comes to praising, we're going to be. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ain't nothing wrong with being loud for the Lord. Hallelujah. We used to sing a song talking about undignified praise. You just got to understand who you're praising and what he has done for you. And it ought to be easy for you to do it with a... Some of y'all ain't feeling that loud. I can sense it in my spirit right now. I'm going to stay here for a minute because loud means loud. I mean, if you got the activity of your, your vocal cords, you ought to be able to make some noise right here. See, I ain't going nowhere till y'all say something that I can hear and believe that God hears praising him with a loud. As loud as the Lord allow you to praise him, you ought to give him the praise. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to your name. Yes. I believe he enjoyed when we get loud and we magnify him because... Because not of what we've done, but we're thinking about what he's done for us. We get loud. We get loud. Some of y'all just see this as a warm-up for the Super Bowl tonight. Because I know when you're sitting in front of your television at home and your team is winning, you're going to get loud. But I want you to know the team that you're on right now require you to be loud. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Get loud. Amen. They glorify God. They got loud. They rejoiced with a loud voice for all the mighty works that he had done. This is what they were saying. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in high. In other words, give him the highest form of glory that you can. Celebrate him in a way that you've never done it before. Give him all that he is due. Now look here. Look here. Now, none of y'all are in here this next part that I'm finna read now. But but that may be somebody online that's trying to kill y'all praise. But 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 I hope you ain't sitting off up in here trying to kill our praise. Because in every crowd there's some praise killers. That there's some folk that don't want <laughs> that's some folk that just don't understand. They just don't want to see you give God the glory. They just don't want to see you. So this is for your, those praise killers. So, you know, if, if you're not a praise killer, just shout amen. amen. If you're not a praise killer, just shout amen. amen. <laughs> you got your mask on, I can't tell. You can just stand up and say amen. amen. Give God some glory if you're not a praise killer. Hallelujah. 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 We come to lift him up on today. Amen. 
And look at this in verse 39. Look what the, how the company's praise killers come on the scene. See, they had been watching what was going on. These Pharisees, they knew this, what was happening. They were familiar with the prophecy, so they knew what the people were doing. So instead of them enjoying and embracing what was happening, they tried to kill the praise. Mm, mm, mm. Embrace the praise. Encourage the praise. But don't kill the praise. I mean, when it comes to this time of the service and you can't get with it, just go to the fellowship hall and stand over there and meditate by yourself. Don't kill our praise. You know, it ain't, it ain't often that we carry on like this, but when we have these moments, man, don't kill our... Don't be a praise killer. I remember in the time when I used to be a praise killer. I just didn't know it took all that. I didn't know that every time I look in the Bible and see praise, it said you do it with a loud... This is praise, not meditation. Amen. Amen. The meditation come after this. Y'all, we're going to praise right now because this is what they were doing in the Bible. We're just going to do what they were doing. Look at the praise killers. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, teacher, pretending like they were going to recognize him as teacher, rebuke your disciple. In other words, tell them to shut up. They're keeping up too much noise. It don't take all that because you come into town. But see, if you know who he is and what he's coming to town to do, then you can't help but give him some praise. Some place of the Bible say they called out Hosanna, Hosanna, meaning that, hey, save now. The Savior is coming to town and we got to praise him. And Jesus came back and said this, look at this. He said, but he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should shut up, Cliff, if you be silent. Adrian, if you be silent. Mom, if you be silent. Jesse, if you be silent. He said, look, in this moment in time, somebody going to give me praise. In this moment in time, God going to allow something to give me praise. If man won't do it, nature will do it. And if nature won't do it, I have a rock to... Look what he said. He answered, said to him, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stone would immediately start crying out. I get the picture that, you know, I, I just use my sanctified imagination. Jesus walking down the road, and everybody starts shutting up, and rocks start jumping up. He, he walking down the road, Fabian, and rocks start jumping up, saying, praise him. Give him the glory. Give him the honor. Give him everything that he's due. That's why folks will say, I won't have a rock crying out for me. God has given me the ability to give him praise. That's why we ought to just take a, let's take a 30-second praise break, Stephanie, right here. Stephanie, why don't you help me out? I see you back there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to your name, God. We're not going to let a rock cry out. A rooster ain't going to have to cry and praise you. God, I'm going to give you the praise. Hallelujah. You're worthy. Hallelujah. God, you're worthy of our praise. You're worthy. You're worthy to be glorified. You're worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Those of you online, I hope you're praising him right now. This is a good time for you to give him some praise. Hallelujah. 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 Don't be a praise killer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to your name, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know we don't do this often, so you know some of y'all need a little practice. You know you ain't used to doing it. So therefore, we're going to linger right here for another 30 seconds to help some of y'all get, get in the mood because, you know, I'm going to show you later that if you don't do it now, you're going to do it later. So you might as well go ahead and praise him now. You might as well go ahead and give him the glory now. You might as well honor him, right? Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, bless your name, God. Oh, bless your name, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Y'all may be seated. Y'all may be seated. Glory be to your name. Glory be to your name, God. Glory be to your name. Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, verse 44 through 47. You know, now days later, Jesus had been tried, beaten, mocked. And Luke lets us know that even while he was dying on the cross, 
Jesus was still working to glorify God. You know, he prayed for forgiveness of those who were crucifying him. He even took time to save one of the criminals that was on the cross with him. And even though this centurion was used to executing people, it was something about this execution that made him glorify God. Y'all better hear me today. In Luke chapter 23, verse 44 through 47 says, Now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. We would call that from 12 to 3 in the afternoon, a time when the sun is out. You don't expect to see darkness. But something was happening in the earth that darkness came when light should have been shining. But see, Jesus was about to take on the sins of the world. And so therefore, God could not look on his son when he put on sin. And so therefore, darkness came on the face of the earth. And what you need to see here is that while the sun was dark, the Bible said, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. Y'all better see some access in that. Y'all better look at that a little bit deeper and see some access. After the morning got over, during the time there was darkness, was during that time of morning, there was something happening in the temple. The temple was normally divided up into three parts. You had the outer court, the inner court, and the holies of holies. The outer court is normally where the common people, where everybody worked. The inner court or the holy place was the place where the priests normally executed their duties and ministered. But the holies of holies was behind the veil. And only the high priest could go behind the veil once a year. And he went back there to carry out a, a ritual to, to atone the sins of himself and the sins of the whole nation. So during that time, before Jesus' death on the cross, nobody could go behind the veil and get in the presence of God but the high. But you got to understand is when he started dying, the veil started coming down. When the veil started coming down, that gave Cliff, you got that? Now, you don't need a high priest once a year to go behind the veil for you. You can come to the holies of holies on your own now. God has given you access. Your access was denied before Jesus, but now that Jesus has died for your sin, you got access. You can come to God anytime you want to. And guess what? You don't really need me. You don't need somebody else to go and confess to on Friday or Saturday and tell them what you did. You got to act. Don't let your access be in vain. Use the access that you got to get in the presence of a holy God. Sister Adrian was just not talking about being in his presence. We're talking about getting in his presence. Look here, you got access to him. There's nothing keeping you from getting in his presence but you. You're the only thing that keeping you from getting in the presence of a holy God. Jesus has already done the work to give you acts. The veil of the temple was torn in two. That means that common people could get to God. Heathens could get to God. Anybody that was lost could get to God. Now I don't need to go through a man to get to a holy. Hallelujah. I got access. I got to act like I got access to God. I got to live like I got access to God. Because if I got access to him, that means I know him and I can get into his presence. And so therefore, I'm not a stranger when it comes to. Got access. Somebody shout access. You got access to a holy God because Jesus rent the veil of the temple, was torn in two. Then now look at verse 40. Six, I see, in trust. Look here. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud, somebody say loud. Now, you know if Jesus could be loud, we ought to be loud. Now, he was loud and dying. And you can't be loud and living? I mean, he was dying and was loud. <laughs> and you living and you can't get loud? Good God Almighty, we, we got to understand ain't nothing wrong with being loud in the Lord. Amen. I mean, I understand if you was brought up in a church that they didn't do all that, but you ain't in that church now. That's why we ain't got no chairs, and you can knock these over. We ain't no pews that holding nothing down. I mean, you can move some stuff around in here when the Lord gives. 
So Jesus entrusted himself into the hand of the Lord. The Bible says he gave up his spirit. He said, now look, now when he commit his spirit to God, it's important for us to understand that they was not taking his life. He was given his life. That was his own free will. He was given his life. And then he says, having said this, that he was going to commit his spirit to God, he breathed his last breath. In other words, he died. Amen. He died. See, some people don't want to acknowledge that he died. They thought maybe he didn't die on the cross. But the Bible here says he breathed his last breath. That means he And look at this glorification from the centurion. And when the centurion saw what happened, guess what he did? Now look here. That centurion probably said, man, I've been witnessing this whole operation. I seen the dude get beat down on the way to the cross. I seen him bloody, I, but I didn't see him curse nobody. I, I heard him pray for the people that was beating him, for the people that was nailing him to the cross. I heard him say, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And then even while he was on the cross, instead of just dying, he started saving folk. Had a conversation with a thief. And the thief say, you know, you are the son of God. And he says to you, the day you will be with me in The centurion seeing all this. And then all of a sudden now he see the darkness come on. And all of a sudden the veil of the temple is rent. And then all of a sudden now he recognized that there's something special about this man. This is not an ordinary crucifixion. I don't seen many of those before. There's something different about this one and the one who's being crucified. Look what his witness was. So when the centurion saw what happened, he glorified God, saying, certainly this was a righteous man. In other words, the centurion realized that Jesus was the son of God. It's recorded that way when you look at Matthew. He says not only did he say it, but those who were with him recognized Jesus as being the son of God, a righteous man, a noble man, not a man that was due to die this way, but he was a, a righteous man. We are just trying to be righteous too. All we want to do to be righteous is just to live right before God, to live how God wants us to live, to live in accordance with his word. So when people look at us, they can say, there go a righteous man or a righteous woman. Why? Because they live in the example that they've seen in their Savior. We ought to be living to be righteous. Amen. Amen. We ought to be living to be righteous. And if we can live to be righteous, then I believe we can glorify God with our life. Just like Jesus is glorifying God even as he was dying. Man, do you mean that when we get to that point in our life, when we know we're about to take our last breath, Will there be enough in us to give God some glory as the family is standing around and you know we're about to check out and all of a sudden they look at us and say, there's something that's happening here. I can believe, I believe they're giving God some. Centurion glorified God. Now let's go back to John. John chapter 17. Now I done told y'all the end of the story that he died now I got to go back to this prayer. Because in John chapter 17, verse 1 through 5, we see Jesus powerful, and they call this his high priestly prayer. What we call the Lord's prayer is really our prayer. Right here, this is Jesus praying. And in John chapter 17, we see that Jesus prayed for himself in these first five verses. I'm not going to read the whole 17th chapter. I'm just going to read through five. Then he prayed for his disciples and then he prayed for future believers. Now, Jesus had ended chapter 16 with a confident shout of victory when he told his disciples to be of good cheer. I have overcome. He was still living. He had even overcame death. Yeah, but he said, I have. Because it's a done deal. There's nothing going to stop me from doing what God has sent me to do. I've been doing my father's work, so I don't have to talk in present tense. I can talk in past tense. Like I've already... I know it's going to happen. Ain't no doubt in my mind it's going to happen. I came here for this mission, and I'm going to accomplish what I came So he ended up chapter 16 with that victory shout. 
And he said those things in anticipation of completing the work on the cross. In other words, as I said, he was confident that nothing would stop him from finishing the work God had given him. So this prayer was prayed before the cross with confidence that the work would be done no matter what he went through. Look at this. I want y'all to see in verse 1, this relationship, because Jesus used the word Father three times in this chapter. He says, now, after saying these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father. Somebody say, Father. Father, the hour has come. Now, previously he'd been saying the hour has not come. But right now he's saying the hour has come. In other words, it's time for me to fulfill my mission here on earth. It's time for me to do the work of redemption. It's time for me to save Cliff. It's time for me to save Latham. It's time for me to save Mom. It's time for me to save you. The hour has he said, now since the hour has come, I can't run from this hour because my life is predicated on this very hour. The gospel is predicated on me accomplishing this work in this very hour. We saw he accomplished the work. We just got through shouting about that. Now we're going back and seeing this prayer. He says, now glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. In other words, honor your son while he's suffering. Honor your son while he's going through this sacrifice. Honor your son by raising him from the dead. Honor your son by allowing him to send a sin back to you. Honor your son. He says, if you honor me, I'm going to give glory back to you. And what we ought to see in that is whenever God honors us, we ought to give glory back to him. Whenever God honors you, Whenever God do things that's pleasing for you, you ought to give glory. You ought to give honor. You ought to give praise back to him. You ought to reciprocate back to him what he's already done for. Hallelujah. All you're doing is giving him thanks for what he's already done for you. Ain't nothing wrong with telling him thank you. Nothing wrong with praising him because he has honored you. Now you glorify. Hallelujah. Verse 2, Jesus' divine authority. For you have given him authority, talking about himself, over everyone. Somebody say everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And then he tells us how do we get eternal life in verse 3. This is the way to have eternal life. To know you. Somebody say to know you. Y'all need to go and do some research on that one little word. N-O-K-N-O-W. I'm sorry. K-N-O-W. No. 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 This ain't a head knowledge. No. This is a relationship. No. You know, kind of like when Adam knew Eve. He didn't just look at her. He and God it's telling us through Jesus that in order for you to experience eternal life, you got to. Oh, man, I wish I could get ghetto right here, but I can't do it. I'm in the pulpit. I mean, you got to. <laughs> Some of y'all married folks ought to say, I know what you're talking about, Pastor. I know what you're talking about. I know and I understand that word no. I know what no means. Brother Lathan, you say you know. He know what no means. That, that means I, I know my wife or my husband in a way that nobody else, that word know, that talk about an intimacy, an intimate relationship with a holy God. He says, now, this is the way to eternal life is to know you, the only true God, and to know your son, Jesus Christ, the one who you sent to earth. Man, if you want to be saved, just know God. Just get into a relationship with the only true and living God and then know his son, Jesus Christ. And that's all you need to tell people that they can be, they can have eternal life to know God, to have an intimate personal relationship with God. That's why you have to pray. That's why you have to meditate. That's why you have to spend time with him in order to. See, you can't really know your wife or your husband if you'll never spend no. Can I just make this plain for one to two minutes? No, 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 no. Can I make it plain? Oh, well, no, they got children. I ain't going to make it too plain. 
But you know, the knowing experience starts long before the bedroom. The bedroom is just the culmination of the knowing. I've been knowing her all day, all week, in expectation of knowing her tonight. So I've been spending time with her. I've been saying nice things to her or him. I've been doing those things because I know if I know her in that way, then I get to know her in an intimate. In order to know God in an intimate way, you got to spend time with him. You got to talk to him in the daytime, in the noon hour. You got to talk to him in the midday, the afternoon hour. You got to talk to him in the evening. And then when you need him, when you cry out to him and you want to get intimate with him, he'll be right there. Because he know you. And you know him to be the only true God. And you know his son. Man, that's so simple. We can't miss that point. It's not hard to get to know God. And it's not hard to get eternal life. All you got to do is follow that verse 3 right there. And you can make your way to heaven. Amen. Amen. So we got to know God in an intimate way. And say, now look what Jesus says in verse 4 when he was talking about completing the work. He says, I brought glory to you here on the earth by completing the work you have given me to do, that you gave me to do. Now look at this. He is saying that, and he still got to die. So he's talking in his prayer prophetically like, hey, it's a done we already saw he done die. He's saying this before he died, as if it's already done. God, I'm praying to you right now before I die, saying the work is already come. Everything that you gave me to do, I done. See, he's teaching us here, you can't wait till the last minute to get your work done. Don't, don't wait till your deathbed to get your work done. You ought to be working while you're still living, while you still got life, while you still got breath. You ought to be working. Don't, don't wait till your last breath to try to close some things up with your children and your family and get things in order. You ought to be working on that right now. Don't wait. So that when that time comes, for you got your last hour, you say, God, I done did it all. I done did everything that you wanted me to do. Ain't nothing left for me to do but to We got to start living like Jesus, man. We got to start living like we done already done some things. Not to be talking about it, but being about it. Now look, he says in verse 4, he says, again, I brought you the glory. I brought you glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now look when he come back to his dad and say, now, Father, bring me into the glory that we share before the world began. Whoa. What? God, take me back to the place we started. Before time was, we were together. Take me back when I had that glory and that splendor. Take me back to the place that I was seated in, the place that I was at. Before you sent me down here to earth to put on human flesh and blood to save people, now that I've done that, take me. Take me back to my rightful place. Take me back to where I came from. Even before the world was formed, God, we was experiencing glory and honor amongst ourselves. Take me back. Take me back to where I rightfully belong. That was Jesus' prayer. And I got to believe that based upon the resurrection and his ascension, and when Stephen, in his dying exclamation, say, he looked up into heaven and saw Jesus seated at the, standing at the right hand of God. To me, that proved that God took Jesus back to his rightful place. Now look here. I, I just got to close with this. I just had to tie this in here some kind of way to try to make a point because Paul must have understood that he had the answer to Jesus' prayer. The Holy Spirit gave him the answer. When you look at Philippians chapter 2, Philippians Chapter 2. See, the Apostle Paul wrote about Jesus when Jesus had, you know, glorified God. And then now he talks about Jesus 
before when he humbled himself, came to earth as a man in his pre-incarnated glory. He gave that up in order to come to earth to put on flesh and blood so that he can be a bondservant. And then the, he lets us know when divinity became humanity, he suffered just like we suffered. He went through just like we went through. But in the end, he humbled himself and died for all mankind. And when Jesus humbled himself and died for all mankind, then God had nothing better to do than to glorify his son. And so this is what he says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Jesus gave up his, what you know what he just asked for? He gave that up to come down here to be like us. But now when we just got through reading, he's saying, Lord, take me back to that. I done went down and I done humbled myself and became obedient to the point of death. Even death of the cross. I did what you told me to do, God. And so now that I've done that, what you told me to do, Father, then now give me the glory that I had before I completed the work. Before you sent me to earth, I had glory. Before you sent me to earth, I had splendor. I, I, I was honored in your presence before, but now take me. Then what he says here, therefore, verse 9, God also has highly, somebody say highly, highly exalted him and given him the name, not a name, but the name that is above. I'm, I'm bringing him back to where he wanted to be, to the place he started from. And now that he's gone to earth and did what I told him to do, humbled himself, came and became a servant, died for sinful man, now I'm going to highly exalt him and give him a name that is above every name. Everything that is named is below Jesus. I don't care whether it's man, a beast, a tree, a mountain. I don't care what we call it. It is below Jesus because he got a name that is above every name. Look at this. And this is why I tell you, I better get used to praising him now and get used to worshiping him now. Because if you don't do it, one day you're going to do it whether you want to or not. And I tell you, I'd rather you praise him while you can under your own free will than you have to praise him because you are being commanded. The name of Jesus, which is above every name. Somebody say every name. Look, he said, that at the name of Jesus, every knee. Somebody say every knee. Every knee should bow. Those in heaven, if the angels are up there, they're going to be bowing down to Jesus. If, y'all, if, your, if your relatives are already in heaven, they're going to be bowing down to Jesus. So it don't make no difference they're in heaven, wherever they are, they're going to bow down to those in heaven. Those on the earth, talking about you now. So this is talking about how you in the earth going to worship him. And I'm here to encourage you to worship him now so that you don't have to be forced to worship him later. Those in the earth and those under the earth. Now, I've got three or four different readers on that under the earth. So whichever one you like about it, that's fine. Some say that may be those who are dead and gone already, you know, and they're going to have to bow down. Somebody said maybe demonic forces that's in the earth now, in the controlling the underworld. But no matter what it is, if they're in the universe, they're going to have to bow down. So it don't make no difference where you find yourself, on a mountain, on land, or in the sea. You're going to have to bow down and you're going to have to worship him. Look at this. Why is that got, that's so important? He said those in heaven, those on the earth, and those under the earth. That every, somebody say every tongue. Every tongue should confess that Jesus is to the glory of God the Father. So when we start confessing Jesus as Lord, we are glorifying God, and God has exalted Jesus back to his own right side. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, back into the place where he started out. And now that he's there, when we glorify him, we bring glory to Jesus. When we bow down and worship him, we bring glory to God. That's what we got to see. This thing about praise and worship is all about glorifying and honoring God because of what Jesus has done for us. 
And now Jesus is seated up at the right hand watching us give up the glory, watching us give up the honor, watching us give up the praise. And when we get in trouble, he can intercede for us because he got a relationship with us that now he can go to the Father and say, Father, I see what Cliff is going through. I see what Latham is going through. So, Father, you put me back in this position. So now I'm an intercessor for him. Every knee going to bow. Every tongue going to confess that Jesus is Lord. So why don't we just end with some little bit of confession right here. Get up and put your tongue into motion and just say, Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus is. Hallelujah. He's the Lord of my life. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. We worship him. We adore him. We magnify him. He is, he is Lord. He is the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Bless your name, Jesus, the name that is above every name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Higher than all principalities and powers, Jesus the name that is above it. Don't it make you feel good to know that you're on the winning team? That you serve a God and you have a Savior who has a name that is above. You know, Paul even say some things that even, ain't even, they ain't even been given yet. They ain't even thought of a name. But when that name is thought of, it's going to be below. We owe him the praise, church. We owe him the glory. We owe him the honor. We owe him the exaltation. Hallelujah. We owe him the worship. Hallelujah. 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 Hosanna. You know, that's why some of those people call him Hosanna. 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 It ain't Easter yet, so I ain't going to stay there too long. I may get into the Easter message. Somebody's going to have to talk about Hosanna. Somebody's going to have to talk about them palm leaves. But we're just going to say praise the Lord right now. Give God some praise. Hallelujah. 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 Everything that Jesus did glorified God. And if our Savior could glorify the Heavenly Father, then we have an obligation to give God the glory. So as I wrap up this whole series, if you go back now, you got to go all the way back to December when we were talking about let us glorify God. We showed you all the ways that we could glorify God. Then now we're wrapping up by showing you that Jesus glorified God. And then we saw that, hey, we need to bow down and worship him. So that, that would be symbolizing that God is being glorified. I'm not asking you to lower yourself to your knees. I just want your heart to be there. I want you to have that humility in your heart. Yeah, if you want to get on your knees, I ain't got no problem. That's symbolism, but it don't do no good to get on your knees if your heart ain't where you're on your knees. I, I'd rather you have your heart right with God standing up than to get on your knees and your heart is not where your knees are. So right now, we just need to put on that spirit of humility and put on that spirit of obedience. And if we put on humility and obedience, I believe in due time, God will, ex he will exalt us. He will lift us up. He will lift us up because we are glorifying him. Amen? Jesus glorified God. Let's give him one more clap hand of, hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. 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 Glory. Hallelujah. Bless your name, God. 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 Every head bow and every eye close. Every head bow and every eye close. If you're here and you've not made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, my first appeal is to salvation. That experience on the cross was just for you. He died so that you would have a way back to the Father. And if that is you today and you say, yes, Pastor, I want to get into that relationship with Jesus, the Father, to know them in an intimate way so that I can have eternal life. Then I ask you to just raise your hand if that is you. Raise your hand if that is you. If you're online, 
I ask that you would just call the number that's available to you, 850-862-3899, that the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart and you want to give your life to the Lord. Please do so at this time. Jesus died just for you to have an opportunity to get back to the Father. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but if the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart now, I encourage you to be obedient to his Spirit so that he can lead you where he will have you to go. My second appeal is for church membership. If you are online and you want to be a part of this ministry, I ask that you just please raise your hand if you're in the church. Uh, if you're online, you can, again, you can make that same call. So if you're desiring to be a part of a fellowship, we would love to have you a part of this ministry. If that is your desire and if the Spirit of God is leading you to do such, then we encourage you to make that same phone call. If you're here in the church, just raise your hand if you're looking for a church home. I see no hands raised. Then my final appeal is our, is our time of prayer. As you have heard in the message, the veil to the temple has been rent. So therefore now, you can pray for yourself. And so this time, we're just going to ask you to lift up your prayers to God as I pray for the group and for those online. Make your request known to him. See yourself in the presence of a holy God because you have access now. There's no need for you to feel like you can't get to God. All you have to do is avail yourself, and he's already there. He didn't go anywhere. It's us who moved. So therefore, at this time, I just ask you to lift up your prayer concerns and believe God will incline his ear down and hear your cries. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, we thank you for your word that has gone forth. We thank you for the example that we have in your son, Jesus Christ. And so now, God, as your children, we come boldly and make our petitions and our requests known unto you. You know our hearts. You know exactly where we are. You know what we need. And so, God, even with that, you say we can still ask. So right now, God, we ask. We petition. We request. And, God, we believe that you're a faithful God, that you're going to hear and honor our prayers. And, God, we know that we may not always agree with your answer, but we know that you will answer. So right now, God, I just pray that you hear the cries of your people. Listen to them intently, God, and incline your ear. And God, in your time and your season, give them the answer that they deserve. God, we thank you for allowing us to have access to you. No longer need a high priest to get to you, God, but we can get to you on our own through our relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that honor and that privilege. And we won't take it lightly, but God, we will reverence it and respect it. In Jesus' name, and everybody say amen.